How do social entrepreneurs and small businesses create an authentic brand people love so they can get the edge they need to stand out, create predictable revenue, and compete against the big guys? That's what we're here to discuss. I'm Adam Force, the founder of Change Creator, and this is the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Adam Force. Uh, I'm very excited this week because I'm bringing on somebody who's been uh, really helpful in my uh, my world <laughs> when it comes to Change Creator, um, and he will be hopefully helpful in your world as well. Uh, he's one of my mentors and has been kind of guiding me on the advertising path, helping me understand some really key things, especially in the Facebook space. Uh, he's CEO of Seven Mile Media. They manage, I think, and he'll explain this when we get going on the chat, but I think it's like $10 million a month uh, in ad spend and have had incredible results working with a lot of incredible people. So uh, his name is Aaron Parkinson um, and he's just got this wealth of knowledge, you know, just how are we, what do we need to be thinking about? Like what are the real nuts and bolts of uh, actually making ads work, right? So we're going to get into all that today and I think it's going to be a really helpful conversation um, for you guys. If you guys are, uh, you know, right now we are taking on some more e-commerce brands. I actually made a new hire and we're expanding because we, we filled our roster. Um, and so what, what's been happening is we're kind of slowly, like we like to make sure our quality, we get the right people, the right team, all that kind of stuff. So we're slowly um, kind of dipping, tipping our, dipping our toe in the water, if you will, with some bringing on some extra clients more than we usually would. So if you have a brand uh, in the e-commerce space and maybe you're running ads, but you're struggling, uh, they're not converting, the big bottleneck is usually what happens after they actually, the ads are successful, they're getting traffic, but now we have to actually make sales, <laughs> right? So you want to really elevate your game in, you know, adopting a lot of emails, selling more on the back end, selling more on the front end. Um, we need to fine tune the website. We need to create sales funnels, those types of things. And that's where we uh, help you master your brand. We help you really tie in how to position your products in the market, how to talk to the right customers um, and actually get conversions. We do everything for you, the done for you. So sales, copy, development, design, all of that and bring your brand to life. But we really are backing the whole development process with the through the lens of a a, a marketer, right? Because that's what we are over here at Change Creator. We are marketers um, and we want to get your results. So yeah, just go to changecreator.com. You guys can go ahead and book a call. We'll chat uh, if you are looking for support in that space. Um, that's it for now, guys. If you are loving the show and you want to give us a little bit of love, uh, it goes a long way to just leave a review on iTunes. And with that being said, we're going to dive into this uh, conversation with Aaron and uh, hopefully you guys okay, love it. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Aaron, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man. Awesome to have you and talk a little bit more in depth because you are a man full of knowledge and experience. And I know because everybody listening, if you didn't catch the show, the uh, description notes and everything, um, Aaron is somebody that helped mentor me on Facebook ads. And I just found his uh, insights so valuable that I wanted to bring him on here to share the love, if you will. Aaron, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit in a nutshell, kind of like you know, what you got going on today, like what's, what's in the present moment and how you got there. Like what, what's the deal? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm currently the CEO of Seven Mile Media. Um, we're uh, a, a primarily a digital marketing agency. We will occasionally take e-commerce if if it's what I call a holy shit product, which is something <laughs> that stops me right in my tracks. Um, you know, but primarily we're a digital marketing info marketing company. Um, we handle you know 50 of the world's largest um, authority brands. And uh, I live down in the Cayman Islands. My team is spread out all over the world. Everybody's completely remote. Uh, I started as a one-man show five years ago and kept adding team members. Now we're a team of 50, you know, full stack tech team, creative team, copywriters, media buyers, account managers, uh, the whole shebang. And uh, I actually got started in the digital marketing space in 2004 uh, before there was even Google pay-per-click. So I've actually been doing you know, pay-per-click marketing longer than Google, which my kids think is pretty funny. And, uh, you know, in that time frame, I've, I've built and exited three of my own brands. Um, and that's, you know, what kind of brought me to this place is one of my friends said, what you should do is help all your friends with their stuff and just do what you did with yours for them. And I said, well, that sounds fun. Right. So started the agency as, as I was a one man consultant. And now it's like a real business, which is, uh, Real business, it's, yeah. it's a real business. Well, at least other people think it's a real business. I'm, some days I debate that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I, um, I love hearing that. And I want to get into some of your thoughts on just trends. Um, sure. you know, I hear I've had people, there's like two, two modes of thought that have come to me when it comes to advertising. One, um, you know, people are afraid to advertise obviously, cause you're spending money and all that stuff. But I feel like if you have a validated offer, um, you know, there's a pretty good chance you can figure it out. But I feel like when you're running, uh, ads, people will say, well, it's not working on Facebook, but I'm going to go to TikTok," And sure. I'm like, that's not really going to matter. Um, and, and so to me it's, and, and Cole hit this too. It's another person in our circle, Aaron, and I know, and he was like, it doesn't matter. he's like, if you can't sell it on Facebook, then you're, there's something wrong with the offer most likely. And it's not going to matter if you put it on TikTok or YouTube, it's still not going to sell. You might just get more reach at a lower cost, right? Sure. So your money will work harder for you. But if you're not selling in one place, so is that is that where your head is at too when it comes to these different platforms? Because you're across the, the scope. Yeah, I mean, we market on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Google, AdRoll, all the pay-per-click search engines, right? And what I will say is, I would say that it's the majority of what you're saying is true. What I will say is that yeah. you can't take the same style yes. of how you sell your thing yep. and expect it to work on all the other channels the same way, because they're almost like going to different countries, right? Like, yeah. you know, we're not going to have Greek food in, in the United States is not Greek food in Greece, right? Same with Italian food, right? So when you try to go to these different places and you think it's just going to work, it's not. Um, you know, TikTok is much shorter, much snappier. It's a whole it's a whole community of people I feel have like ADD. Like you have to be like <laughs> super fast and like super quick cuts and like all over the place where like YouTube is, is more of an older audience and they're there to consume and learn. So you can go into sort of longer explanations of things and Facebook and Instagram are disruptive. So you kind of got to grab their attention quick and then bring them through this education piece. And so yeah. they're different in how you have to uh, display what you have. Yep. But if what you have sucks, you're still not going to make <laughs> you're not, it's not gonna matter. Money, right. And, and so when people ask me like, how, how do I market my stuff? Like, 
I, marketing is very basic because humans are very basic. What we want is in this hierarchy that goes down in levels of priority, right? And the hierarchy starts with basically like three basic elements, which are get paid, get laid, live forever, <laughs> right? Those are the three things at the top of the chain that everybody wants at like a genetically wired in level. I want to sure. get paid, I want to get laid, and I want to live forever. Okay. And then everything else kind of falls below those in like subcategories, right? So like live forever is like when I start getting into like the nutrition, the health, the exercise, the fitness, the philosophy, the insurance, the like yeah. all of these things, right? Get paid is like, well, is it the careers, right? Is it education, traditional education, non-traditional education, career, job search, entrepreneurialism. And then there's like sub tiers below each one, yeah. right? Yeah. And the closer you can gravitate your marketing up towards the top tier elements, the easier it is to sell them on something, right? And I would say there's like, there is another, people will say, well, what about status? Like there's so many status products, right? People want status because they feel like it's going to get them paid or laid. So status is like below both of, of those, right? So they all tend to just fall under those top three tiers. And the closer you can get to them, the easier it is to sell and the wider audience you're going to have. Aaron, I think we're going to have a lot of people running ads want to get laid. <laughs> right? like, and, 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 and it's funny, like you, you don't want to say that, but the, the reality is like, why is, why is fashion so like so important, right? It's status. What, what status going to give me? Well, it's going to get me paid or it's going to get me laid, right? Like it all ends up back going to the same stuff, right? So when you're doing your marketing, you've got to weave that psychology Yes. From those yes. three top tiers into what you're talking about. And that's the thing, like I, for years, you know, I've been doing the business thing for 20 years now. And it's always like, I, before I matured as an entrepreneur, um, at least to where I am now, still have a long way to go. Um, I have always found that no matter what product I was trying to position in the market, it always came down to the same kind of psychology. It's about the money. It's, you know, it's like, it's always cause I'm in business. So it always, it's just about the money. And, you know, it's like, you can't really escape that. So what you're saying is spot on, but it's how are you positioning your product to get people to understand that that's where it's going. Right. So that it exactly. actually resonates with the, a key well, with part of where they are in their life. You know what I mean? I mean, the two things like we're doing sales funnels over here for people. And I'm like, my deepest conversations are about who exactly we're talking to, what their life is like, and then what the product is and how it's actually being positioned in the market and to them, right? Like, you know, right. where do you fit in into their world? And exactly. the better we can get those two pieces connected, I mean, it just clicks, you know what I mean? And money comes in. Right. And people want those sort of core three things in different ways for different times for different reasons. Right. So what what you're talking about, you know, is understanding your avatar. Right. Because if I'm talking to, you know, a, a 55 year old, you know, male. Right. His primary focus really isn't at that point about get paid, get laid. It's about live forever. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and then underneath <laughs> that, it's like live forever happily, right? Yeah. So that's where you can kind yeah. of get into the like what makes you happy, right? What makes you happy, and then you can keep going in like look, not just live forever, but be happy. And then it's like, well, what makes you happy? Well, fit. Well, a good relationship with my family. Well, um, you know, the ability to travel, the, like they all just keep going down in sub tiers. So, so these are like the big tiers and then you have to understand your audience to see where and why they want that thing underneath those elements. And once you can connect those together and you can get inside the the conversation that's already happening in their own head. Yeah. Now you win. That's the key. And that's where we go from red ocean to blue ocean, right? So you're starting with the big red ocean, but you got to know that's where you're at. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's live forever because you got the older gen and uh, you dial it into that blue ocean. like that. And that's where like, I literally will go through and create stories for people. Oh, well, you got this guy, John, he's a husband, he's got kids. He's pretty stressed out already because, so we already got the stress factor, you know, every right. morning, da, 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 da. And, you know, I'm talking to a client now, this one's for you, Giovanni, where we're selling like motorcycle parts and accessories and we're really dialing in. Like, I just can't get on. I want my weekends back. You know, I want to get out on the road. I want a little solo time. And if that doesn't happen, well, what's the stress factor behind that? What happens? You know, like you start and you feel it slipping away that's stressful when your passion hobby like slips away you know so you really get into that psychology so when someone is scrolling through mindlessly on facebook it catches their attention and it clicks right well and we can say like you go through those tiers not that i want to focus on that the entire time right but (laughs) your ideal client in that space is somebody somebody between the get laid live forever categories right they're like i used to be this guy. And when I was this guy, that's what, that's what got me late. Right. And so that was my cool guy character. And then I had to go through the evolution of most males, right. To like become responsible. I had to make money, settle down. I had to have kids. I had to raise them, do them right, become responsible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now I'm kind of exiting that phase and I want the, like the old me back right? How do I get the old me back? How do I get back the like the rebel, the, the whatever, and have my weekends back and ride my motorcycle and be free because now I'm going into the live forever stage, but I want to live forever. Like the way that makes me happy with the vision that I have of who I am or who I was in my own head today. Right? So when you understand that, that psychology of where are they at right now and what are their, what are their passions and their motivations and maybe what they feel they've lost or what they want to gain back. Or like, once you really get into that conversation, you can start to write copy or create visuals or serve them a product. But if you took that same product to a 31 year old female, (laughs) right. Living in LA, she's gonna be like, what the hell are you telling me? It doesn't fit at all in the narrative of where she's at right now. That's right. And that, I find that that's one of the hardest business processes for people to master right really understanding the positioning and the customer and getting into that story because you know you hear it all the time gotta know your customer and everyone's like yeah i know of course i gotta know my customer and they just have this generic understanding of it but they're not really it's because I, I have you ever had those moments, Aaron, where it's like you're like reading or you hear someone talk about it and you're like, oh, I get it. I understand. But then like yeah. a year goes by and someone explains it again, like the same thing, but differently. And you're like, 
I knew that, but wait a minute. Now I see what you're saying even more clearly. It's like you have evolutionary thought processes on the same idea that get more and more clarity. And I've seen that for me just as a, a strategist in branding and stuff like that, because I've gone through so many conversations with clients where you just get better at like understanding what works. And the more you run the ads and the more you make sales and get on the phone and sell deals, you start learning what's actually making that stuff work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's it's not just it's not just the deeper understanding of the principle, it's also the repetition. Yes. of doing it, hearing it or seeing it. You got to do it multiple yeah. times. And for those people that that and I'm sure you've watched it before, there was a guy I worked with for about a year. His name is Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start with Why, course, which is yeah. one of the the best TED Talks I've ever seen. And for those people that don't understand what we're talking about, you know, he's got this, go watch it first off, but he's got this, this quote in there where he says, your goal is not to do business with everybody. Your goal is to do business with people who believe what you believe. Yeah. And when you can understand that, then you win. That's knowing your customer, right? Yeah. Who believe what you believe, right? Because not everybody believes what you believe. And if you actually keep it too broad, yeah. Then it lands with nobody and it resonates with nobody. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people are like too afraid to niche down and only market to people who believe what they believe and polarize everybody else. Yeah. But that's the difference between building a raving tribal customer base. Right. <laughs> yeah. And or not having any success at all. Not having any success at all. I mean, that's exactly it. I had someone recently on my team that helped me out with the podcast and stuff. He's like, I understand the idea of nurturing leads, but how do you get leads? And honestly, so I did a solo talk like uh, on the podcast and I was just mm -hmm. like talking about ideas like this. Cause whenever I think about that, there's lots of tactical ways to get leads sure. where you're trading value for an email or whatever. Um, but it really, my mind always comes back to this conversation we're having. You want to get leads? You got to know this information. The better you know this, then the better the carrot you can make. Um, so people want to skip all this strategy stuff and just get into the, what ebook do I make? And do I, right. am I going into Facebook groups and DMing people? Like, do I run ads? Like, yeah, you're not quite there yet. Right. Those are just uh, tactics, right? That's, Those just are, tactics. that's just tactics. That's not strategies. Right. And, you know, I have two different companies where we put both of our clients through onboarding situations. One is the agency and another one yep. is a software I have where we have some done for you services that, mm -hmm. You know, we'll build them funnels and integrations and backends and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure you have something similar. Yeah. Right. And the very first module they have to go through is a deep dive in understanding the core things that motivate their customers. A, who are your customers? What motivates them? What keeps them up at night? What yeah. what concerns do they have about the future? Like all these things. And people go through it and they're like, God, so much work. Why do <laughs> yeah, I have to do all of this? Right. This took me like five hours. And and so many of them I've talked to. And then when we're done, they're like, bro, that was the single most powerful thing I've ever done. Cause honestly, yeah. I didn't have any idea who I was actually trying to serve. I was just trying to sell to who anybody who wants to buy. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Happens all the time. Happens. Yeah. All the it's time. crazy. And, and, and the more that you can get zoned in and understand that process, the easier it comes, like the, the return on ad spend and all those things just become a joke the more you get that dialed in it gets better yeah no and and that's i forget who said this to me they're like i don't know if it was you maybe i don't even remember but they're like 95 percent. maybe it was sam ovens actually he's like 95 percent of your success on facebook with your strategy 
is off is preparation off Facebook. <laughs> it, it, he is 100% correct in that assumption. I've never actually met Sam. I bought an agency and merged it with me. Um, that was owned by a guy named Jason Hornung. I don't know if you know Jason. I know. Jay, I know. I mean, I don't know Jason, but I know Jason because I know him through Facebook ads. He, I think he did Mike Dillard's ads maybe. Yeah. Well, he and, did Mike's, he did Neil Patel's, he yeah, did uh, yeah. Sam oven. Sam still has him in the course. Mm, mm-hmm, he did, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he did Dan locks. He did uh, a whole bunch of people, traffic yeah, and funnels. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's and, a beast. Yeah, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal Facebook marketer. And he wanted to go more into the courses area again and courses and consulting. So we worked together for a while. And then I bought yeah. his team and merged in with mine and, okay. and so on and so forth. And he's an absolute like ruthless believer in that, which is probably maybe why Sam reiterates it, because Jason really is the one who helped push Sam through the that's I remember Sam saying that yeah he's like this guy Jason's just like one of the best like ever and yeah uh, he yeah. really is and and he and he will not he spends 90 percent it's that old it's that old conversation like you, you sharpen the axe you know for 90 percent of the time before you cut <laughs> yeah. the tree down yeah, right? right and and so many people are like okay I just want to put my credit card in and set up my campaign I'm gonna write oh. something and I'm gonna put an image in there and like money's gonna fall from the sky right like it's just gonna happen Right. And you've spent no time thinking about who you're serving, what they really want, where they're at in their journey, what's most important to them, you know, who they like, who they don't like, who they want to be like, who they don't want to be like. And then you start to craft that together and create your plan. And then all of a sudden, all the dominoes fall. That's it, man. That's it. So, you know, I think this is powerful stuff. I hope everybody listening is really just, we're hammering this because it's so important, right? Like, you know, it just becomes the conversation. And as you get more success, you're going to turn around. And when you have it, it's going to be because you finally got really clear on these ideas. You know what I mean? And then it becomes the conversation. You're like, Oh my God, well, I made, you know, 50 grand this month, but, and it's all everybody I tell now it's going to be this conversation. This is what's going to come up is how we prepare and strategize and know our customers and all that stuff. So, but let's give people, let's change the, the, the uh, angle here a little bit um, and talk you know, okay, everyone we've mastered our customers now and we know how to position in the market. Great. Um, where, I mean, when we think about leads versus sales, um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, when people ask me questions around that, um, I have a hard time separating the two, honestly. Um, you know what I mean? So, cause I never want to generate a lead without the sale in mind, right? (laughs) Right? It's just like, it's just, you're just getting people at an earlier point in the purchasing timeline, right? Sure. So um, what are some of the things that you're seeing today? Let's talk. I don't want to I don't want to make this put a time on this uh, conversation, but just for shits and giggles, like what are we seeing today that's working? Um, let's just use Facebook, TikTok for lead generation that is actually meaningful to the bottom line. Like you work with a lot of clients, you're doing a lot of things. So what, what anything stand out to you, Aaron, today? Trend wise, I think that the, that what we're really trying to get through our clients' heads right now is that let's talk about Facebook, for example, right? Yeah. Five to seven years ago, the costs were so low. Yeah. In Facebook and Instagram, they were like what TikTok is today, right? Right. So you could almost just throw anything up, and it was going to be successful. Yeah. Right. 
and there was far less competitors. There was far less noise. You know, like I said, everything was cheaper. So now it kind of circles back around into a, what we were just talking about and B slowing down your process. Mm. So, you know, when it's that expensive and and I'm going to sort of reference back to the start with why thing you've seen the law of diffusion of innovation, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So in the law of diffusion of innovation, it shows that there's certain percentages of the population that will buy your stuff. So let's imagine that here's your hundred percent of people that'll buy your stuff. Right. But they're carved into segments, the early adopters, late adopters, early majority, late majority laggards, et cetera. And each yeah. one of these sectors won't buy until they see the sector before them buy. They're all like lemmings to the, to the yeah. one before, right? Yeah. And what most marketers do in any channel, but it's very common in Facebook and Instagram as well, is they just go in for the kill on day one. And that works, but it only works for one and a half to two and a half percent of the total hundred percent. Yeah that you could sell to, right? So the end result of that is that guys will come in, they'll go right for the kill, they'll make some sales, and then they'll try to scale. And they tap out the one and a half and two and a half percent very, very quickly. Yeah. And then all their costs go up, they start freaking out, right? They start trying to adjust to it. And they're like, how come I can't scale? And it's because they were only speaking to the people who just got it that day, right? So what I mean about slowing down the process is you can still go for the kill, right audience, right message, right pain point, right solution, bang, no problem. You'll make sales, one and a half to two and a half percent, right? But you gotta be thinking about when am I going to start servicing the other 98%? Yeah, they're right? already yeah. And the other 98% need to see a lot of stuff over and over and over again to break down the resistance, including that other people have done it before them. Yeah. Which is yeah. why we're constantly encouraging our clients to think about basically breaking down their campaigns into, you know, no less than four areas, right? One is your awareness, where you're literally saturating the audience with who you are, what you do, why you exist, who you serve, value, 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 right? And then the second section is like people who are aware and bonding with them at a, at a closer level, right? Like what is your origin story? What are your philosophies on business and life? Like, and it could be you or it could be your company, right? Yeah. Getting, getting to see case studies and testimonials and stuff from customers in the past, again, because other people have to see it happen first, Right. And then having a section for the people who just get it, which is like the offer. Right. And then making sure that you've got really robust retargeting happening for those people that got distracted in their buying process or they need more from you and getting into the minds of getting into the minds of those people of why they didn't move forward. Like, what is their big objection? What big benefit did they not catch in your presentation that we need to reiterate? And I'll give you an example of, of the, the retargeting side. We had this um, very famous weight loss expert that worked for, um, with us for two plus years. Um, and we grew up from about 300,000 a year to 10 million a year. Wow. And she 
had this challenge she was running every 30 days, right? So weight loss challenge, you know, pretty basic stuff. And we made her survey her customer list and ask them, what was the number one fear that you had about moving forward? Yeah. And the, the, the biggest um, response we got was that people thought they were going to have to eat rabbit food, right? So we looked back at the funnel and we were like, oh, it's pretty clear that we don't have to do that, but it's still stuck in their head. So we just got her to shoot a video that said something along the lines of, hey, like I see you were on my site and you didn't join the challenge. Let me tell you about the number one thing people are worried about changing when they get in my front. They're worried that I'm going to make them eat this. And she showed like a big thing of kale, right? She's like, let me show you what we're actually going to change. And she grabbed a piece of paper and she went like this, boom. And it said zero. She's like, I don't focus on food. I focus on your fitness. I focus on your hydration. I focus on your hormones. I focus on this, 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 this. So if you didn't get started because you were worried about eating this, it's a non-issue, jump on it and get started. We had a 14 to one return on ad spend on that app. Ah, nice. Right. Okay. But most people won't break down their campaigns and talk to people who are unaware, talk to people who are aware, talk to people who are hot and bothered and ready to buy and talk to people who they, they were interested in buying, but you didn't answer a question yeah. for them. They just come in in that straight offer bucket, like boom, buy it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it works. I like that. <laughs> but it only it only goes to two percent of your total potential audience. Yeah. Right. It's it expensive. And so you're leaving 98 percent on the table. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes total sense. So, I mean, that that's the perfect. Explanation and example of understanding you know, the lead generation process. So you can have that direct to sale, right? Absolutely. And the lead gen is really expanding uh, your, to different audience segments who aren't quite there yet, but you do need your strategy with your content and your ads to align to their needs. So it's a totally different strategy in most cases, right? You so, got to meet them where they're at, gotta you know, and they're, they're not in that buying motion yet. No, they're curious you know, interested, they might even be considering something like you have. Absolutely. They need, they need more from you. And I they guess, the, more, you know, Mark. the colder, the further away they are from consideration, if they're not even problem aware, then you have yeah. a lot more work. You have a lot, a lot, that could be months before they buy, you know what I mean? Especially. You have a ton stores. more work, but I'll give you an example. I, I, we have a client that um, we started working with four years ago that was doing about 2 million a year. And he flew down to Cayman and met with me and I walked him through this process and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build you as the authority in this space, which is we got to do all of these things consistently over time. And in the first six months, you're probably not going to see much out of it. Right. And he was like, it's okay. Like I want to play the big game. I said, okay, if you want to play the big game, this is how we're going to do it. And a year later, things really started to pop for him. And now we're four years in and he's doing four and a half million dollars a month in revenue by just duplicating the same stuff over and over <laughs> and over again. Right. But the first six months were painful because it didn't, it didn't have that immediate, like instant yeah. gratification attached yeah. to it. He was still making the 2% sales, which was good. And they were kind of creeping so you up. You got some cash flow at least. There's some got cash, the cash flow. flow. But like the, uh, talking to the unaware, talking to the aware, chipping away at their resistance over time 
and allowing the natural progression to happen of lots of customers coming in and then people seeing him and then people seeing other customers and all those other things. Yeah. That compounds over time, like a bank account, but most people don't have the time, the patience, the money, the desire to do it the right way. I mean, look at, look at Jeffree Star. Do you know who Jeffree Star is? I don't think so. No. So Jeffree Star is a, I don't know if he's transgender or not, but he's a, he's a guy that used to do makeup tutorials on YouTube on himself. So he's a really, really talented makeup artist and he yep. was doing makeup tutorials on himself and trans <laughs> and basically transitioning himself from a male to a, a, a female, like in before and after pictures, absolutely unbelievable artist. Like if you look at his stuff, you'd be like, whoa, right? Cool. Okay. He did YouTube tutorials, I think for somewhere between three and four years to build his following, right? Pretty much sold nothing for three to four years. And he built his, his following. And then he launched Jeffree Star Cosmetics about four years ago. And he literally broke Shopify. I know because I was doing about 70,000 a day in sales on Shopify and, and my <laughs> stuff stopped working. Like it, pages weren't working. Nothing was working. Right. And it was because he did his launch and he did something like $40 million in the first three weeks oh. on his launch. And then he sold to some parent company, like a L'Oreal or something like that for like 200 million or 300 million, like six months later. Yeah. Retired. And it was, he, like he just, he paid his dues of feeding the audience, creating the audience, nurturing the audience. And I'm not saying you have to start and wait four years before you sell something like a no. Gary Vaynerchuk no. who did that for no. five years before he sold his book and became an instant bestseller. You don't have to do that, but you can't just be all in on the one and a half percent of your offer. Here's my product. You like it? Buy it, right? Like you can't just be, <laughs> All in, at least you have to be thinking, I'm going to do these things in the background to create yeah. the longevity. Yeah. I mean, and do you see it this way for service businesses and for e-commerce? Absolutely. So, you know, like we do certain sales funnels and stuff in e-commerce and um, mm -hmm. normally somebody has some pretty good brand awareness out there already. They're making sales. We know like what's hot and stuff like that. And, you know, we make a really great offer. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, I never, I don't get much into the extra marketing, you know, uh, around it, you know, if you will, um, a lot of companies will, will maybe have that going on, but some of the smaller teams don't. Um, right. so as far as e-commerce goes, you know, you guys are running then ads that are going to be kind of just raising the awareness, the education about the products, problems it solves, and not always the direct sale. Right. The and I'll give you a great I, example. Like, let me give you a great example. Yeah, yeah, fire I know where you're going. Like, tell me, tell, like, tell, show me something, right? So Ezra Firestone is a friend of mine. You know Ezra Firestone? Yeah, yeah, Zipify. Yeah. He also owns a brand called Boom by Cindy Joseph. Do you know this brand? No. Okay. So he launched this brand, I want to say it might've been 10 years ago, but I think it kind of only really took off about seven years ago. Okay. And it's a, it's a skin cream line, right? Okay. And who the hell cares about another skin cream? Nobody, <laughs> zero, right? I just met with a client the other day. They're like, oh, we did these like these tests and we've got like these, these patents and we've got these clinicals. I'm like, nobody cares, nobody, because there's a million skin creams on the planet, right? And so he said, what's the story we're going to tell that's going to break into this, right? And so the story that they told was that 
women over 50 are told by society that they're no longer beautiful. They're ugly. And we don't believe that. We believe that women over the age of 50 are beautiful in their experience and they're stunning and they're in a different phase of their life and so on and so forth. And he had lead magnets that were tied to this, like five tips, five makeup tips for women over 50, right? Where he was just giving to these, to these, to this community and sharing his story inside of that and giving value and building trust. And then eventually introducing him to the fact that he has this product, but he wasn't just coming out and being like, here's my skin cream for women over 50. Like <laughs> it, 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 it lands flat. It doesn't have anything. Right. And then he ended up partnering with Cindy Joseph, which was the world's oldest supermodel at the time. And she was telling, like, they were always publishing like her stories, like this is my morning routine. And, you know, this is what I, these are the types of clothes I wear for my body style at this time. And this is, yeah. you know, these are the types of foods I eat and like, all this kind of building this story that got people to, to, to resonate with the story so that they would feel this, this sense of need of reciprocity to buy the products. Right. And so these are the types of things that you have to put in play to make yourself stand out from yeah. really competitive marketplaces. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, um, I'm a huge, you know, believer and advocate for storytelling and marketing. Storytelling is so powerful. I mean, our, literally our course captivate was to learn how to put storytelling at the heart of your marketing. And so you nailed it right there. I mean, you know, Ezra is kind of a mastermind with that stuff. And, you know, I think a big thing that holds people back is, is the, the time and the money, right? Cause that stuff does take a lot of time and money to build up. You could spend, you know, 50 grand in a blink of an eye trying to build up that awareness and, you know, all that stuff. So when you're working with smaller clients, I always take the approach of, yes, like I, we got to get the story out there. You got to do all that stuff. Um, across all these touch points, but we also need cash flow. <laughs> so need you both. need a cash flow you, system. You either so need finally, cash flow or you need somebody to be bankrolling you with a whole bunch of yeah, cash flow yeah. so that you can be really patient, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I have found that there is like, if you can imagine a tree, there are sales at the bottom of the tree that we can grab now. Yeah. Right. And that's then there's sales. Yeah, that's those guys, right? And then yep. what we're talking about to can have a sustainable and compounding future is getting the ones at the top of the tree, right? Correct. And kind of nurturing that and growing and stuff like that. So I always like to dial into what's that easy sale? Let's get the cash flow. Use that cash flow to build out these other things, right? So, Absolutely. Um, I've learned a hard way, dude, because I like was I built Change Creator six years ago. And it was all about supporting social entrepreneurship, putting a spotlight on entrepreneurs who are doing good things through the world, right? Environment, people. I was in, I started a digital magazine. I had people like Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Tony Robbins, all cover stories, interviews, like everything that we did. It's amazing. And we were spotlighting people around the world who were doing amazing things, but it didn't bring us the money we needed. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I thought we were going to blow up the spot here with all these guys that no one gave. I mean, yes, we got more attention, right? And you know, we got brand equity is what we got with all Correct. that. And so over time that did develop our brand equity, our brand trust, um, our story got out there. But what I realized was 
that kind of overhead, that kind of stuff, you could do the, r- the right things at the wrong time. And I was like, the first thing we really should have been doing is something that has a lucrative cash flow. Like you need the cash flow unless someone else is funding you, right? So that's like a real tough place. I see a lot of people who want to just scale and run ads. And I'm like, there, you may not be there yet. You know what I mean? Like you got to figure out how to actually make money. <laughs> like, right. Money. And that's a, and that's a big thing. Like right there is even validating that anybody wants your thing. Right. And maybe you didn't validate that anybody wanted your thing. You were doing an amazing job at the top part of the equation. Yep. Right. But you didn't do any validation at the bottom of the, no, equation. my validation was what's this, the data say out there. And the right. data is all bullshit. The data all day long. Oh, I'll spend people. 90% of people will spend more for sustainable products. Oh, people care about this with the environment, care about that. And then you give them all this stuff. And when it comes time to check out, oh, well, Meh. I'm not going to spend my money on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, my personal needs all of a sudden just got put way above the environment or this right. or that or whatever. Right. That's and, right. And, you know, you were building something really, really cool, but you were building a really long-term play in the same way that Gary Vaynerchuk with his social media, he went almost five years building this massive audience before he launched jab, 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 right hook. But the difference is that he had his wine store, right? Funding his life. I don't know when he started Banner Media in in that whole process, but he had the time and the patience and the resources to invest long-term in building the audience without needing anything in return, which is what you were doing, but you probably were running out of capital. Running out of capital and to be able and to do think that. about running ads for a fucking $15 a year magazine subscription. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, on that one. Mike Dillard is a, is a really good friend of mine and, and Mike built this amazing show called Self-Made Man. I don't know if you ever watched it. I have, not. yeah. But- you know, we were talking, you know, when we were, I was in Austin one time and I said, how much like, are you, are you spending on each episode? Cause everything looked amazing. Everything's pretty in studio and this and that. And he's like, oh yeah, by the time I do one episode, it's like 15 grand or something like that. And I, I was like, okay, so you're dropping 15 grand an episode. Like, what are you, what are you getting out of this? Like, where, yeah. like, like, what are, are you retargeting people into some sales and like how, and it, it was really like this, 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 brand play. Like he was just building, he just wanted to build this brand and this network. And over time, he might've had enough subscriptions and enough eyeballs and enough like subscribers and enough of those things that somebody might've wanted to absorb that network because there was value in the eyeballs. But that's a lot of money to sink for a long time to build a huff post, to build these other things that then you can have advertisers come and give money to you. And there's, you can do those same things in, in much less expensive ways and sell some stuff along the way, right? Sell some stuff along the way, please. Everybody sell some stuff along the way, please. Sell some stuff along the way. And if you don't know, and if you don't know if your stuff's any good, here's the single best thing you can do. Develop your product, call your 20 closest friends and say to them, look, I'm thinking about launching this product. I want to give you my pitch and I want your honest opinion if you think the pitch is any good, right? You give them the pitch, your friends are all brutally honest, right? I mean, most people are, right? They're going to tell you, ah, uh, uh, uh. and when you're done asking them, then ask them the next question, regardless of what they tell you. Yeah. Say, would you buy it right now? And tell them the price. Yep. And if nobody wants to buy it, you know, your stuff sucks. 
Yeah. If people won't put the money down, you know, and friends and family, sometimes you got to push them to be honest because they'll be like, oh, no, it's cool. I like the idea. And you're like, oh, see, they like the idea. So you got to be careful with friends and family. They sometimes. Say, Will you buy it right now? That's and if they're like, no, they're like, no, That's it's, no, it's no good. Like my a friend of mine, Ryan McKenzie, he owns a, an e-com business called, well, it's not e-com business now in regular stores as well. It's called True Earth, right? I don't know yeah. if you've heard of True Earth or not. One of the fastest growing companies in Canada right now. And they basically have these um, disposable laundry strips, you know, like dryer strips, you know, like Tide has those like dryer strips that you put in with your clothes when, right? He did the same thing, but with laundry, okay? Because he's like, look, these bottles are 90% water and they're clogging up the environment. These big plastic bottles, they're stupid. Just put this strip in the washing machine like you do over here and environment saved. Oh, by the way, it's cheaper than buying that big jug, yep. right? There's less garbage that you have to take out. It's better for the environment. See, now we're hitting all the key elements because if you just come in and said it's better for the environment, but it's five times more. You're uh, in trouble, you're in trouble. I don't know, right? Yeah. It takes up less space. It's you, you get to feel good about yourself. Oh, and guess what? It's also cheaper, Yeah. right? Yeah. He went from like zero to something like 4 million a month in recurring subscription buyers on this thing in like two and a half years. Love like just, that subscription model. I, love I mean, people are coming model. in and breaking these things just like uh, dollar shave club came in and sold one of my crappy razors, but they sold it differently than Gillette. Right. And they made just, fun of Gillette. And, That's they, the whole point. <laughs> and they made that video. He spent $4,500 on that one video. We all know the video. It was and 15. It was 15. He spent on it, on that production of that video. 15,000? 15,000. I heard four, I, in the book I read, they said 45. I could be wrong. I thought it was 15,000. But what's funny is my buddy, is my Let's buddy Ryan. for one, because it makes the story cooler. It makes right? the story better. Okay, we'll say you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but still, even 15 grand, what are we talking about? If 4,500, uh, 15 grand is the same thing. shook up the whole market. They shook just, up the market. It went nuts. And my buddy Ryan did the same thing because that's a Harmon Brothers style commercial. Yes. Right. My buddy Ryan did the same thing with True Earth. He did a, a Harmon Brothers style commercial yeah. mocking, you know, the the traditional laundry the industry players, yeah and that just like it went crazy it's it's it works and and you don't even have to directly hit people you just say the things about how expensive it is or how it hurts the environment and it's implied you know who i'm talking about out there right mm-hmm. uh you know and i seeing the intelligence behind that and you know what he spent months preparing word for word what that script needs to be I have no doubt. Preparation. Preparation again was months of just this little two minute, whatever it was, video. That's it. And it took them months to do the script. And then they nailed it down. And that was that took them off to the races. So I think sounds like your buddy did a very similar approach. But every word or statement had a very intentional psychology behind it. 100%. Yeah. You know, and so many people are in a rush because either they're financially pressured or they're impatient or something like they're in a rush. Right. And there's so many examples of things. Like, do you remember the first matrix movie? Of course. Do you remember the scene with Morpheus when they first fight in the dojo? Yeah. Right. And that was like, a, like, a like when that came out, people were like, what? Like freezing in the air and spinning around and yeah. like yeah. that whole Super thing. Cool. And, um, 
I looked, I was doing some research on it one day and I found it took them 31 days to shoot that one scene. Yep. Like think about the investment of time, people, you know, director, staff, whatever. It became but it iconic was, though. But it, it was iconic. iconic. Yes. Right. That movie did what a billion five or something like that. Like, yep. How less, how less successful is it if they rush that scene and they half ass it? I don't know. But right. my guess no, is it, it, it could have not only it, it would have changed the game because think about the word of mouth that creates and all the re, the copycats it has created as well. Right. And mm-hmm. if you haven't read the book, I love Ryan Holiday's books. I don't know if you know Ryan Holiday. Amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. You got to read the Daily Stoic. Uh, stillness is the key. The obstacle okay. is the way. Really. Well, the cool. obstacle he, is the way. I feel like I've read that one. Absolutely. Way. It's all about wisdom from the Stoics, um, you know, a long time ago. And it's just incredible basically obstacles way it's like the obstacle in the path becomes the path philosophy right how to see opportunity in sure. the challenge um but he wrote a book called the perennial seller okay the perennial seller it is about people who make timeless works of art based on who they are and what they're all about so okay. when it comes to writing a book does it go on for a hundred years after you die and still stay like a top right. seller, right? Like it's, he wanted to dial into, well, what, how does that happen for people? Like, what is it that creates that art? Um, and the, his way of digging up the research and, and connecting the dots for you is just brilliance. Uh, you know, nothing short of brilliance. So I mean, highly I have to, recommend I have to read that the, one. the perennial seller. I'm going to read that one for it's like this one right now. Somebody just my financial manager just started making me read it. And uh, it's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. It's in my queue. Dude, it's so good. I'm like halfway through. It's like the best book I've read in like. Really? Yeah. In like a year. And I've got a bunch of stuff I'm always reading. And and it is so good around like how we are so screwed up about our psychology and our understandings about money and investing and like how it's all actually behavior based and yeah. not math based. And like, it's so good. <laughs> it right? is. And it, yeah. yeah. And it's sold like, uh, it's sold, it's sold some like 2 million copies or something like that. And I could see people reading this thing for the next hundred years. That could be a perennial seller right there. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the kind of stuff I love, man. I mean, and that actually, that kind of thought process has slowed me down in business to take my time to be more prepared, to put in the the thought, the strategy, because there's no real race. You know, you want to make money, but to your point, I've heard you say several times in this call, you have to have patience, right? And when you get into the perennial seller and you get into the psychology of money and start understanding it's really how you think and you know, what is actually driving your thought process. I'll throw another little book out at you because this has been probably one of the biggest game changers for my uh, money psychology. And I've probably read it at least 30 to 40 times. I actually listened to it in the book. I listened to it in the car. It's called, um, oh my God, the name, now that I need to say it. Now I that you've really, built it all up. The, I built the, the title all up, itself. I'm really falling flat here. Uh, <laughs> but, oh yeah, yeah, here it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> the Science of Getting Rich. Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. Wallace D. Waddles, come on. Yeah, I mean, I love that book, dude. It's such, like, a, it's such a good book. I'm going to leave people with one tip yeah, let's wrap, wrap it up today. Yeah. Is this changed a lot of stuff for me in the late 2000s because I've been doing this a long long time and and for like the whole like the whole 2000s I was just like how do I sell more stuff? 
Like, yeah. I don't care. I don't yeah. care if it's good or not good because that's that we're talking about the phases again. Right. Like I was a kid who just had a kid. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to get paid. Right. Like yep. I don't, I don't care about legacy and any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> is that, is at the end of the two thousands, somebody said, was looking at my stuff and they asked me, they said, would you be proud to show this to your mom? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, that hurt a little bit. Right. And they said, anytime you put something into the marketplace, ask yourself if you'd be proud to show this to your mom. Now that could be your product. That could be your marketing. That could be your creative. That could be, if, if you show it to her, she can be like, son, I am so proud of you. Right. If you can't answer yes. Yeah. Don't put it in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a good way to look at it. I'm my, the way I've had it positioned is, would you want that on the front page of the newspaper? <laughs> right. I think that's, I think that's, that's almost equally as powerful, except like it's my mom. Like I don't want my it's mom. mom. Yeah, you like, don't need to. Son, son, I am so unimpressed. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been a lot of fun chatting, uh, Aaron, as usual. Um, appreciate just kind of all the insights uh, and stuff like that. Not getting into all the technicalities of advertising, obviously, but um, where do people learn more about you? Are you putting out content? Um, you know, if you're listening here and you're making some good money with your your business, I mean, Aaron might be a guy you want to bring on board. Does you want to look into what he's got? Going I'm on. really fortunate because I was doing this for so long. So you punch in Aaron Parkinson in Google and I'm like the first 10. I got I got yeah, yeah. all the URLs. I got everything right. So <laughs> I'm really easy to find. You will find him. You will yeah. find him. All right. Seven Mile yeah. Media, Aaron Parkinson. You want to learn more? He's got all kinds of of good stuff out there. Aaron, appreciate your time today, buddy. Thanks for having me on the show and great job on all the work you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the Authentic Brand Mastery Podcast. Don't forget to stop by changecreator.com for more information, fresh articles, content, and our services if you're looking to build a brand that people love. And please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate your support. Thank you.